Welcome to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. Mr. Bronchick is an attorney, best-selling author, and a real estate investor with 25 years' experience. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. Negotiating is an art. Some people are kind of born with it and some people uh, develop it as a skill but I think anyone could become a good or better negotiating by practicing um, and learning the skills of negotiating there's so many good books there's so many good seminars and training and I think it's just something you practice and you get good at by doing and by working on it Uh, one of my favorite books on negotiating was how to negotiate anything by Herb Cohen old book i think it was written in the 60s originally and revised a bunch of times and of course there are many many good books on negotiating you could find in your uh, amazon bookseller or uh, local if there are any left local bookstores left <laughs> um, on negotiating and uh, you know many seminars on it but uh, you know all all of them will provide you some good stuff but mostly it's practice making calls, meeting with sellers and buyers, um, practicing with your spouse or your partner, and uh, and dealing with difficult situations that make you a better negotiator. The basics of negotiating a good deal, I believe, come down to three basic things. Uh, number one, you've got to create some sort of rapport with the party you're dealing with. Number two, find out what the party really wants and number three, you got to create what appears to be a win-win solution. Now, notice how I said what appears to be a win-win solution. I really believe there isn't really, in most cases, a win-win solution. It's a it's a zero-sum game because there's a fixed piece of the pie when you're dealing with negotiating a piece of real estate, right? Uh, but it's got to be something that both parties appear to get something they want and got something from the other side. So as long as you make it, the other party feel like they got something from you and they feel like um, both parties worked for it and gave in something, then everybody seems happy. You, you know that instinctively because if, if you've ever made a, an offer and someone said, well, I'll take it, and you said to yourself, well, gee, that was easy. I, maybe, I should, maybe I offered too much. You know what I'm talking about. It seems like uh, even though you, you got what you wanted, you, you feel like you might have paid too much because it was too easy. Uh, and, and that's why win-win, I think, is what appears to be based upon the scenario that you set up. And we'll talk about that as we go. So number one is creating rapport. Um, You've got to create some sort of um, um, connection. And it doesn't have to be that they like you necessarily, but they have to have some sort of connection to you, whether it be commonality of interests, commonality of personality, uh, commonality of style, something that has a connection with this person that you can you can get into their mindset a, a little bit and get them to follow you down a path um matching and mirroring often helps it's it's an nlp technique neuro linguistic programming where you match their tone you match their pace you match their their uh their style of speaking even their accent and and you might think that they they 
will catch that you're doing that, but most people won't. 99% of people are way too wrapped up in their own bullshit to notice what you're doing. Believe me. So, you know, if they're talking in a Southern accent, you don't have to go overboard, but you know what I mean? Just kind of go with that sort of pace that they're going at and the and the tone that they're going at because if you if you're from Brooklyn and you get someone who's from from the south you're going to sound like a different person to them so you might want to just uh talk more neutral or slightly in their in their tone that they understand um mirroring if you're in person if they lean forward you lean forward so and to test that sometimes to see if they're following you you could lean forward and say you know what and then if they lean forward and go what then you know that you've got them at the pace and and that they're following you and it's really really effective if you test that and most of all most importantly just smile you know, even if you're over the phone, smile because people can can sense that energy that, that and, and in person too. When you smile, people will smile back and follow that energy and follow you along. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like Trump politically, but before Trump was a presidential candidate, a lot of people liked Trump because he, everyone knew he was a personality and he was a good negotiator and he used a lot of these things. He was a very, people who meet him in person would say he was very dynamic as a personality and that when you negotiated with him, you kind of went along because he was such a dynamic personality that and a big personality that you couldn't help but get sucked up into it and that's what made him such a good negotiator. Um regardless of what you think of him politically, you know, as a negotiator, he was an effective one-on-one negotiator. Um, so that's, you know, creating rapport. And we could spend a lot more time on that. And there's so many books on, on creating rapport and, um, you know, how to win friends and influence people, Dale Carnegie, of course, and neuro-linguistic programming. There's so many books on that. Tony Robbins does a lot on NLP. Uh, if you study that, you can learn a lot about how to create instant rapport with people very quickly. And don't be phony about it. Don't say, oh, you know, how about them Broncos? If you don't know anything about football, you're going to get discovered real quick. <laughs> so don't, don't, don't be phony about it. Try to be, try to be genuine. You know, if everybody's got kids. If, you know, if, if you think they're old enough to have kids talk about kids talk about family talk about you know the weather talk about anything that you think you have in common with this person especially if you're sitting down with a seller at a house and you see like something on the wall like maybe uh Maybe they got a medal because they were in the army, or maybe their kid was in the Marines. You know, you could talk about stuff like that, and and they'll beam with proudness and talk and let them go on and on and on about it. And just letting someone brag about their kids and stuff will make them feel good, and they'll feel good about them, and they'll feel good about you because you're listening. And that's a great way to create rapport. Number two, find out what the other party wants. Sometimes I just like to ask them straight up in the beginning. Um, Mr. So-and-so, what do you really want out of this? And just ask, because especially when you're dealing with real estate, most of the time, real estate is not the problem. It's something else. It's, we want to get to why are they selling? What are they trying to accomplish? And most people, it's not the house. It's, I want to get this problem solved so I can move on and do something else. I need the money out so I can buy another house or rent an apartment, or I need this money out so I can retire and go on a trip with my with my wife, or I can go retire somewhere and do something else, or I don't want to deal with this rental because my, my kids are living there and they're a hassle and I just want to get rid of the problem and maybe get them to grow up. You know, Find out really what it is. 
you know, what do you want out of this? Now, sometimes when you say, what do you want out of this, they're going to give you the pie in the sky thing. Well, I want a million dollars, and I want top dollar, and I want this, I want it closed tomorrow, I want no closing costs. You know, sometimes you get something like that. And then you can follow up with a question like, you know, that's really nice, and kind of chuckle a little bit and say, okay, what can you realistically live with, Mr. Seller? Right? And then he'll say, oh, yeah, you're right. And then he'll just come down a reality, hopefully, and give you another more realistic scenario and then start the negotiating from there. Does that make sense? So a lot of times sellers have a, you know, a, um, a, a sort of pie in the sky, delusional version of, of, of reality and you want to get them off the cloud before you start negotiating. So don't start with what do you want and then counter Ask them what they, their ideal scenario is, and they'll tell you what it is, and then say, what can you realistically live with? And then the, you're getting them to negotiate against themselves. Like, what could you you know, live with? And then they'll come down, and then that's where the negotiating starts, okay? And by the way, the first offer loses. Don't make the first offer. Let them make the first offer, okay? So then from there, number three, we're going to create what appears – to be a win-win solution. And the way to do that is don't tell them what you want. Start lower and then let them beat you up to where you really want so they feel like they got you. Okay? So what I like to do is tell them up front what's going to happen. Say, look, Mr. Seller, this is what's going to happen. Um, you're going to tell me what you want, and I'm going to tell you what I want. We're going to negotiate, and eventually we're going to come to a middle point. Is that fair? And, you know, I like to do that. I mean, I like to tell them the truth, because that's, that's exactly what's going to happen. But realistically, you're going to give them a much lower number than what you really want. And they're going to think that they beat you up, okay? So the, the, we're going to use some ploys to do that. And the first one you've probably heard of before, it's called the flinch. So let's say the property, you want to pay um, 100 grand, and they're asking 150 grand, okay? So you're going to say, well, what can you live with? And let's say they come down to 125 grand. So you're not going to say 100 grand because that's, first of all, that's the first offer loses. And then they're going to beat you upwards and you're you're not going to get what you want. So what you have to do is when they say 125, you have to flinch. So they, they go 125, 125. Oh my God. And then they go, Oh, they start to feel like, Oh my God, what did I do? I, I insulted this person. Cause if you do the opposite, if you say, okay, I want to pay a hundred. So I'll offer them 80. They're going to flinch. And that's not what you want. Okay, so if they want 125, you want 100, and then you offer 80, they're going to flinch. And you have to beat the flinch by saying, 125! And then you're going to say, oh my god, that's so much, I didn't think you wanted that high, I, you know, I really can't pay anywhere near that. And, and then they're going to feel bad and say, well, what did you have in mind? If you say 80, they're going to go, they're going to flinch, right? And then you're both flinching and it's no good. So you have to kind of say apologetically, well, Mr. Seller, that's not really close to what I had in mind. Uh, I really don't want to insult you, but 
you know, our business model is such that we work on a series of formulas that we have to pay such percentage of such percentage, plus we have our cost of materials and such and such and such. So I'm thinking more like $80,000. And so you softened it a little bit by justifying it, and they're going to go, ooh, $80,000, $80,000. That's really way too low. I don't think I can go that low. And then you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and eventually maybe you get to, you know, 95, and they say 105, and you go, look, Mr. Seller, is there a happy medium or is there a, a fair middle ground we can meet at? Can we split the difference? And then you get to 100. And they feel like they beat you up a little bit. But really, you, that's what you wanted to pay in the first place. And that's a win-win to them. You know, you won because you got 100. They won because they think that they beat you up. Does that make sense? And that's, you know, textbook good negotiating if you could do that. Now, every one of these negotiating ploys, you got to be careful of because if they're a good negotiator, they will use every one of them against you. So be careful. If they push you to offer a price, they're going to push you. What do you give me? What do you give me? What do you give me? You're going to go 80 and they're going to go, what? Don't do it. Don't give into it. Okay? So whatever they do to make you try to give a price, try to change the conversation and ask a question. So they go, well, what do you give me? What's your bottom line? I want to know. And, you, and you're going to be tempted to say 100 is your bottom line, which is a mistake. Because that's still low, and they're going to beat you higher. And they're going to flinch anyway. So you, if they do that, you say, well, I'm not really sure, Mr. S- Mr. Seller, but let me ask you a question. And then you change the conversation. And eventually get them to, 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 to make the first move. Okay? And then flinch. Beating them down is the same, because they're going to beat you up. Now... One of the great ways to soften the lowball price that you're going to counter them with is to put the blame on a third party. And one of the great ways to do that is the old higher authority. You've seen it at a car dealer, right, where the where the car salesman says, well, I don't know if I can get you X, but let me talk to the sales manager. And, you know, and he goes to the sales manager, and, the, and they're not even talking about anything. They're talking about baseball. And they come back, and they say, oh, my sales manager says, I can't do that, but I can do this. And, and it's nonsense. They're just playing you to the higher authority. It's like, I got to talk to my wife. I got to talk to my boss. So you do the same thing. You say, well, gee, you know. I don't think I can go any higher than that, Mr. Seller. I might be able to convince my partner, my boss, my wife. If you go a little higher, can you go a little higher? Maybe I can get them on board, okay? Or what some people do is you have a software program, like an app on your phone or on an iPad or on a computer, and you go, Mm, that seems a little high, Mr. Seller. Let me put the numbers in the software. And you go, ching, 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 ching. And you turn your computer or your iPad in front of them and go, well, the software says I can only pay you 82. And instead of getting mad at you, they're going to get mad at the computer. <laughs> you've just, you, you've shifted the blame to something else that they can get mad at. You understand? That's, that's, a, that's a really good technique. It's the same as higher authority, but just a variation of that. And then the old splitting the difference, right? So let's say um, you want to pay 100. They're, um, 
you've got to the point where you've agreed to pay 95 and he's stuck at 110 and he wants to split it, you know, the difference at, uh, what is that, a $15,000 difference? So that's uh, 102.5. He's going to want to split it down the middle. Don't do it. Don't don't come up halfway. Say if if you've got ninety five and he says one ten, come up to a hundred. Don't split it down the middle. That's what every stupid person does is they split it down the middle. Don't do it. Don't split it down the middle. You could come up, but you don't have to meet it in the middle. When you say to them, can we split the difference or can we make a fair middle ground? You're suggesting to them that it's fair to meet in the middle. Don't make the same mistake when they do it to you. Okay. And sometimes there's one other one I like to play. If you, if you if you go with your spouse, play good cop, bad cop. That works too. That's a little little version of higher authority. And uh, let your wife be bad cop. That's easy. So so like you're going, well, I don't know. Maybe we could do it, hon. And your wife's like shaking her head going, uh-uh, uh-uh. And then you like, you like when the wife looks away, you, you, you turn to the guy and go, look what I got to deal with, you know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Every guy knows that. And they feel bad for you. So, um, you know, you have your wife looking around the kitchen going, oh, man, look at this rot. This is terrible. Oh, my, we're going to have to replace all of this. And you're looking at the guy, you know, rolling your eyes going, see, I got to deal with. But it works wonderfully, by the way. It works wonderfully. Good cop, bad cop. Okay. Um, while you're doing this, you're going to handle objections. You're going to get objection, objection, objection. So, Understand that when the seller makes an objection, 90% of the time, it's complete nonsense. What they're objecting to is not real. What they're doing is saying, I don't trust you, I'm scared, or I don't want to commit now. So they're throwing up roadblocks just to see how you're going to handle them. And how you handle an objection is the make or break of the deal at the moment. So make sure you handle objections properly, okay? So what most people do is the seller says, but what about X? And most amateurs will say, well, you don't have to worry about X. You could trust me. Or that's not important. And what you've done is just made them feel even more suspicious, more worried, and really worried about that objection now. And then now, now the thing they were throwing up there that they weren't worried about, they're really worried about it. So this is how you handle an objection. First, you validate it, repeat it, get everything out on the table, and then close the door one by one. Okay? So validate it. Mr. Seller, that's an excellent point you brought up. A lot of people have brought that up in my experience, and you're very smart to bring that up. Okay? So validate it. Don't say, yeah, but... Yeah, but means everything you just said is not valid. Validate it. Then repeat it. Let me see if I understand what you are saying, Mr. Seller. You're concerned that X. Is that right? And he'll say, yeah, that's right. So now you've made him feel like, you know, this is valid, and you repeat it and make sure he understands it. Is there anything else that's bothering you at this time, Mr. Seller? Any other issues that we need to discuss? And put them all out on the table. And then close the door. Okay. With issue X, if we can resolve issue X, can we, you know, come to a terms tonight on a deal? If he says no, then just say, well, why not? And Because that means he's just, what he's saying is, is, I'm scared, I don't trust you. And then you have to start from the beginning again and go to rapport or just end the meeting and come back and try it again. Okay? 
That's all. Uh, because usually, like I said, the objections are 90% of the time aren't the real issue they're bringing up. It's I'm scared. I got to think about it. I don't want to commit. You know, it's not the real issue they're bringing up. They're just throwing it out there to see how you're going to react. And sometimes it's if it's a really tough issue, there's no way to handle it other than to tell the truth, which is like, so like they study, they throw a real zinger at you. They say, well, they look at you right in the face and go, well, you're going to make a lot of money off this deal, aren't you? You're an investor. You're going to make a big profit. You look them right in the eyes and say, that's right. And then don't blink. And the first one who blinks loses that argument. If you look away first, you lose. If they go, if they blink and they look away, they're going to go, okay, at least you were honest. And then they'll trust you at least, to be honest. If they say, well, you know, we're in foreclosure and, uh, you know, well, if you take over the house and you don't make my payments, then, you know, you're going to ruin my credit. And you just look them right in the eye and say, that's right. Do you have another solution, Mr. Seller? And look them right in the eye. And then if they look away first, they're probably going to go, all right. And, that, and that's the only way to handle a tough question like that. That's the honest and only way to handle that. When they ask a question that there's no easy answer to, you just acknowledge that it's a difficult question and you look them right in the eye and say, that's the truth. And there's no other way to handle that. And don't blink first. <laughs> Some other general techniques that work, and this is true for all salespeople, they know this, wear them down. Uh, there's a reason why salespeople come to your house at night because you're tired and I, that might sound sneaky or salesman like or sleazy but it's the truth there's a truth there's a reason why people do appointments at night because people are tired and tired people tend to give up on the negotiation or late in the afternoon if you're ever in business want to win a negotiation schedule a five o'clock negotiation You'll win every time because people are tired. They want to go home. They want to go have dinner. You know, they're like, all right, whatever. Let's just get out of here. You know, and that's that's what you got to do. Be patient. Be repetitive. Stall for time. Say, I don't understand. And and make them repeat it. The Japanese were brilliant at this. The, the Americans used to come over and give a big, long presentation. The Japanese man would say, I do not understand. Can you explain it again? And the American man would get really frustrated and start all over again. And, and the Japanese would win every time because they would get frustrated and lose patience. Be very patient. If anything goes wrong, don't be afraid to take away the sale, right? So if the seller's threatening, well, I don't know if I want to do this. And, and don't be like, oh, please, Mr. Seller, do like at the car dealership. What's the worst thing you could do at a car dealership as a consumer? Get up and start walking out. Do the same thing. If the seller starts getting, well, I don't know if I want to do this. Well, you're going to make all this money. Well, I can find a better deal. You say, yeah, I think you should, and start walking out. And then they'll chase you as <laughs> you're going for the door. You know what I mean? And if they don't, then fine. Act like you don't care and mean it. That's the only way you can win the negotiation. Act like this is not that important and really, really mean it. Because if you act desperate, they'll smell it. And they won't do a deal with you on the spot. And that's what you want. Okay? So to summarize again, create rapport, find out what they want, create what appears to be a win-win solution. Okay? Use the negotiating ploys, learn to handle objections properly, 
and be very patient and wear them down. Okay, use the be very patient, wear them down, wear them down, wear them down until the point where they say, you know, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you. And don't be afraid to get up and walk out in the middle of a negotiation if it's not going well. If it starts getting belligerent, don't be afraid to say, excuse me, can I find the restroom? And go get and use the restroom and just reset and then come back and say, what were we talking about again? And sometimes that helps reset an, a, an argument if you get into a bad argument. And if all else, don't be afraid to get up and walk out and restart the negotiations some other time. Information and free articles and videos. Visit his website at www.legalwiz.com.